name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Let me tell you about a testimony that a pastor gave at a pastor's meeting. Uh, He said... um, I am a lay pastor of a small, non-growing church. On any given day, I'm capable of being a jerk with my wife and family. I'm terminally insecure, which causes me to compensate with bouts of arrogance. At times, people irritate me, and I hide from them. I'm impulsive, which causes me to say things that I shouldn't and make promises I cannot keep. I'm inconsistent. My walk with Christ is a stuttering, stumbling, bumbling attempt to follow Him. At times, His presence is so real in my life, I can't stop the tears. And then without warning, I can't find Him. Some days, my faith is strong and impenetrable and immovable. And some days, my faith is weak and pathetic and helpless. I have been a Christian for 45 years, but I am still a mess. I'm 56 years old and still struggling, a flawed, clumsy, unstable follower of Jesus. Now, I don't think that should be our testimony, beloved. I don't think that should be how each of us is. I think we should be growing. I think we should be changing. But uh, I wonder, have you ever felt like that? I know I felt like that. More specifically, I'd like to ask you, have you ever felt like that this morning? Or do you feel like that today? For some of you, I was wondering, maybe if it wasn't for the fact that you'd be sitting in your car and you wouldn't have to speak to anyone directly, you may not have come here today. Maybe you've chosen not to come here today because you didn't want to have to face anyone and you preferred to stay home and, uh, and watch, watch this on the live stream. Not because of, of children or something, but because of how you're feeling because you've failed. Maybe you've failed this week. Maybe you've failed in the last month. And because of that failure, you feel a lot of shame. And because of that shame, you've decided to hide yourself. I think sometimes that uh, we hide ourselves because of the regularity of our sin. I just can't seem to stop this. Or, or maybe it's the reproach of our sin. Man, if you only knew how bad I've sinned. Or maybe it's the result of our sin that causes us to hide. You know, I've hurt the people that I love the most. Or maybe it's because I know I've let the Lord, I've let the Lord down. If you're here today and, uh, and this is how you feel then I want you to know I believe God has a message for you here today. If you're listening via the live stream, then uh, I want to say to you, I believe you're listening because God has a message for you. And here's the message. And actually, let me say this before I continue. Even Micah's, Micah's prayer this morning that God might encourage us, I, I, I believe I have something for us today that God has for every one of us, even either right now in this moment, or, or maybe in the future. So here's, here's the word from the Lord today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter uh, how bad you fail the Lord. It doesn't matter how terribly you may have blown it this morning. Or maybe even how often you fail. Listen to what I want to say. And I want to quote the Bible here. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. I'm going to repeat that. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. I don't care how bad you failed. Now, I'm not saying today that there are not repercussions for our sin. Neither am I saying that there are no consequences for our failures. I'm not saying that. But what I am trying to say to you is that no matter what's in the past, listen to me carefully, God has, has and is not willing 
to give up on you. Now, I've met people over the years that because of their past failures, they have felt like they are damaged goods, and they are felt like they are no longer usable to God, or maybe even more damaging, they feel like God can't forgive them. But, uh, but I want you to consider something this morning, that you may be able to accomplish more on the other side of your failure than you did in the past prior to your failure. Now, if you think that's far-fetched, I'd like to just ask you to consider Jonah. God is the God of the second chance. And if you were to ask Jonah, can God use you uh, past failure, I would think that he would say yes. In fact, I want to go to a more specific, per- more specific person this morning, and I want to go to Peter. And I want to say that if there's a person who probably thought that he had blown it to the point of no return, it would have been Peter. Because Peter was of the, of the inner circle of Jesus. And he had probably more opportunity than anyone else to, uh, to you know, have spiritual success. Uh, he had the first powerful uh, proclamation that Jesus was the Son of God. And yet, though he said he would never deny the Lord, he had failed the Lord just a week prior to where we find ourselves in John. He had failed the Lord three different times. On three different occasions, he had denied the Lord. So if there was ever a man that had, uh, had dropped the ball, if there was ever a man that thought he was a failure, if there was ever a man that thought he should have stood strong but he had wimped out, it would have been Peter. And yet the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that post his failure, Peter would be used to boldly proclaim Jesus. In fact, he would proclaim him again as the Son of God. He'd be jailed for his faith. And listen to this. The Bible tells us that when Peter walked along, people tried to get in Peter's shadow because they thought being in his shadow would, uh, would heal them. What turned Simon Peter from this... Uh, whimpering guy who denies the Lord into the Peter that we know became this rock for God. Well, obviously it was the Lord Jesus that changed him, took him from a broken man to a very strong man. Now, Micah read our text for us this morning. It's John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Let me recount it, recount the story real quickly. Peter has taken his buddies and they've gone fishing. And they haven't been able to find, they haven't been able to catch any fish. They're coming in, and there's a guy on the shore. They see him at a distance, and as soon as they're able to hear him, he says, have you caught anything? And they say, no, we haven't. He says, cast your nets on the other side. Now, they can't tell who it is. I wonder if they wondered if it was Jesus or not. But for whatever reason, they did what he said to do. And when they did, what they caught was a net so full of fish, they couldn't even drag it onto the boat. The Bible tells us that Peter goes on into shore, swims into shore. When he gets there, Jesus is, is cooking fish. Now, the Bible tells us that they don't dare ask if you're Jesus. So there's, there's some question, right? There's some question. It's been a week since they've seen Jesus risen from the dead. And, and I don't understand why they don't readily recognize him. I don't understand why the two guys on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him. Obviously, Jesus is, is hiding his identity at, identity at some level. But, uh, but when they get in there, he, he's got fish cooking. And they know it's the Lord. They don't ask him. Finally, Jesus pulls Peter aside. And we have this exchange between Peter and the Lord. You know, if you're here this morning and you're a broken person because of your sin. And I, I, I mean, we've all, we're all broken people. And Jesus has restored, restored us in the past. But I'm talking about if you're here this morning and you're broken because you have failed the Lord yet again. 
then, then listen, God's got a word for us. But I got to thinking, listen, maybe you're here this morning and you're not broken. I mean, you've been walking with God. You've been walking in obedience. Listen, there may come a time in the future where you're going to drop the ball. And again, I don't mean to imply that we will. I don't think we have to. The Spirit of God lives within us. But let's face it, we're, we're all still sinful people and we still drop the ball. So if you drop the ball in the future, if you're here this morning and you are just covered in shame because you have sinned against the Lord, then I, I want to tell you this story has a word for us. What should I think if I fail the Lord? What should I do if I fail the Lord in the future? What does the Lord want me to know? Well, this exchange with Peter, God's going to tell us four things. Four things that he wants us to know. Four things he wants you to understand. And even I want to suggest to you some things that God wants you to do if you're here this morning or if you're listening to us via live stream, if you have failed the Lord. So here they are. Here's the first thing that God wants you to know. And that is that God is taking the initiative to seek for you if you have failed the Lord. If you've dropped the ball and sinned against the Lord, I want you to know that God is seeking to restore you. So here we take Peter. One week and a half ago, Peter has failed the Lord. A week ago, he's risen from the dead. And the first thing that we, we learn from, from the Scriptures is that on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, he went looking for Peter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read that Paul says that Jesus first appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus went looking for Peter. Jesus is risen from the dead. Peter can't find Jesus. Jesus had to find Peter. And here's what I want you to understand. God is taking the initiative if we failed Him. He's always taking the initiative to restore us. And in our story today, it is Jesus who takes Peter aside and seeks to restore him. Jesus is taking the initiative here again with Peter. Now, I want you to know that if you fail the Lord, Jesus is going to be taking the initiative with you without equivocation. I tell you that God is seeking after you. He did it with Peter. He's doing it with us. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no responsibility on our end when we fail the Lord. I'm not implying that. But I am telling you that it is Jesus that is seeking you. It is Jesus that is longing to restore you. In Luke chapter 15, we have these little stories that Jesus weaves together. And in the first one, he talks about a shepherd who's lost his sheep. And it's the shepherd who goes looking for the sheep. You know, if you, have, if you fail the Lord, and in your shame, you've gone to hide from him, he's going to come looking for you. He then tells another story about a widow who loses a coin, and she searches the house until she finds it. Here's the truth. If God, if you have fallen away, God is looking for you. And then there's a third story, and in this story, there's the story of the prodigal son, the wasteful son. And you'll remember he goes to a far-off land and squanders his dad's inheritance. And in the story, and in the story, the father doesn't go to the foreign land looking for his son, but the Bible tells us that each day he goes to the edge of his property looking and longing for his son to return. Now the son wakes up to one day and comes to his senses and says, man, I need to go home to my dad because it's so much better in my father's house. My point is that Jesus is always looking and longing and wooing for you to return to him. The Bible says that we don't we don't seek the Lord first. We don't love God because we loved Him first. 
We love God because He loved us first and because He sought after us. He sent Jesus to seek after us. He sent His Spirit to seek after us. And when you fail the Lord, the Lord is seeking His Spirit, or sending His Spirit to look for you and to woo you and to call you back. No matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how badly you failed, listen, God is taking the initiative, drawing you back to Himself, looking for you. In the Bible, it says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Peter's story tells us God is taking the initiative. Here's the second thing it tells us. It tells us that if I have failed the Lord, God wants you to know He's very much aware of your failure. What's the point in asking Peter three times, do you love me? You notice that, right? He says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why three times? We all know why three times. He is making sure that Peter knows, I am associating this conversation with your failure a week and a half earlier. Now why is he doing that? Is he doing that because he's trying to rake Peter through the mud, so to speak, rubbing it in his face that he failed the Lord? No. Jesus' desire is to restore him. So the reason why he brings this up three times is to say to Peter, I know about your failure. Now listen, everyone. I I can hide my failures from you. I can even hide my failures from myself, not be willing to own up to them. But I cannot, and neither can you, you cannot hide your failures from God. You, you cannot somehow, you know, uh, make it so that He doesn't know your failure. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He sees all the times where we sin against Him. Now the Bible is clear. The Bible says that God doesn't remember our sin. It says in, in uh, uh, I think it's Isaiah, as far as the east is from the west, so far I've removed your transgressions from you. God says that he, when He's dealt with our sins, He's dealt with Him. He doesn't keep harping uh, and bringing them up over and over and over again. Maybe you live with someone who's constantly reminding you of your failures. I hope not, because there's nothing worse than that, to have someone constantly remind you of all the times that you failed. That's a horrible place to be. But that is not what God does. That's not what God is doing to Peter here. God doesn't do that. And that's the point of the Isaiah passage. As far as the east is from the west, he's, he's taken our, our sins from us. Here's what God's trying to say. When I've dealt with your sins, I've dealt with them. But he wants you to know that nothing is hidden from his eyes. He's very much aware of every time we, we sin against him. Every time we don't do what God wants us to do. He knows that. In the book of Job, it says he sees sin without investigating it. John would say in chapter 21, verse 17, he says, Lord, you know all things. In 1 John 3.20, it says, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. The book of Hebrews says, for all things are naked and open unto his eyes. Let's face it. Whenever you sin against the Lord, whenever you fail, the Lord knows. He knows. There's nothing that escapes His notice. You cannot hide it. Now, what's my point? Here's my point. Why do we hide our sin? Why don't we just own our sin and go straight to the Lord with it? He already knows. We're not somehow keeping it from Him by hiding it from ourselves and hiding it from someone else. Go to the Lord. Let Him deal with it. That's what He wants to do. He wants to deal with your sin, forgive your sin, and restore you. And that's why He brings it up to Peter. Peter, we're not going to hide this. We're not going to sweep this under the rug. Peter, we're going to deal with it. 
So number one, God's taking the initiative when we drop the ball and sin against Him. And maybe I shouldn't make light of it by calling it drop the ball. When I sin against the Lord, the Lord knows, and He takes the initiative to restore me. Number two, He says, listen, I know. Don't hide your sin from me and others. The third thing that He wants you to know, if and when you're here today in shame because of sin, or if we're in shame because of sin tomorrow, here's what He wants you to know. I want you to search your heart and reaffirm your love for me. Now, here's the worst thing that sin does for us. It kills us. It kills us. The wages of sin is death. God removed the tree of life from Adam and Eve so they would die. And then the book of Romans says we all die because of them and we all die because of our sin. But the worst thing that sin does in this life right now is it disassociates me from God. It isolates me from God. It cuts me off from God in my fellowship with Him. So that, listen, so that I want to hide from God. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned against God? You remember what they did? I would say answer me, but you can't really, right? So here's what, I, here's what they did. They went and hid themselves. That's what the Scripture says. They went and hid themselves from God. And it's exactly what we do when we sin. We go and hide ourselves from God. Our shame makes us do that. We don't want to face God. We don't want to face each other, which is why so many people fall away from, from being gathered together with other believers because of the shame of sin. And they can't stand the shame, and so they, they quit being a part of us. Instead of dealing with the sin, the shame causes them to hide themselves. What did Adam and Eve said, say to God? They said, we hid ourselves because of our shame. So when Jesus says to Peter, listen, this is so important. When Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? He's trying to get Peter to focus on the heart of the matter, which is, Peter, do you love me in spite of your sin? In spite of your brokenness, Peter, do you still love me? That's what he wants Peter to deal with. The Bible says clearly, if we love God, we're going to obey God. So when a, it's written in our hearts, and especially as believers who have the Spirit of God. When we sin, we know it's the antithesis of not loving God. When we sin like this and we fail, we know that we have loved something else or someone else more than we've loved God. And I might even suggest this, guys. We've loved ourselves more than we've loved God when we sin against God. And when we sin like this, if Satan can get us to reject God's love, he has us where he wants us. In other words, if I somehow think that God doesn't love me, or if, if because of my shame I hide myself from his love, man, I'm just, I've just made myself a sitting duck for the enemy. I've made myself, you know, vulnerable to, to greater sin. I'm, I've cut myself off from the source of, of living water. And so that's what Satan wants us to do. So what, what God is trying to do with Peter that day, and what God wants to do with you this morning, if you're here in shame, or, or if you're in shame tomorrow, remember this talk. What he's trying to do is to cut you off from God's love. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to focus again on his love and on your love for him. David sinned pretty big, didn't he? In other words, in anybody's book, we'd say David sinned pretty big. He committed adultery, and then when he couldn't cover it up, he had the husband of the woman that he slept with killed so that, so that his sin wouldn't be found out. But, you know, God... You know, he couldn't hide from God, going back to point two, right? He couldn't hide from God, so God sent Nathan. But here's the thing that I want you to notice. Even in his sin, here's what God says about David. God says, David, you are a man after my own heart. Why? Because the issue is loving God. So listen, everyone, when you sin, and your sin makes you want to hide from God, 
Remember his love. Remember he, he loves you. Remember your love for him. Do you love the Lord? If you're sitting here today disconnected from God, hiding from God, God wants you to answer this question. Do you love me? Do you really love me in spite of your sin? If, if you do, then come back. Stop asking yourself whether God loves you. God has never stopped loving you. You know, in this text, I know it doesn't show up in English, but in, in the original language, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And it uses the word agape. And then Peter responds uh, twice. He says, Peter, do, uh, Peter responds, says, yes, Lord, I love you. But the word he uses for love is the word phileo. Now, I have, I have heard preachers just, you know, really talk about that, how there's a point here, Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me unconditionally? That's what agape means. And Peter's answering, no, Lord, I don't love you that way, but I love you as a friend. And, uh, and then at the very end, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, using the, word, the same word Peter's been using, and, and then Peter says, you know, Lord, all things, you know that I love you. And I used to say the same thing. There's, there's something going on here. I'm not so sure anymore. There's textual evidence that, you know, agape and phileo are used like synonyms, like we might use synonyms in English, right? And, and so I really, I'm not, I don't necessarily think that Peter's not saying, I love you. I think he's saying to Jesus what, what Jesus wants us to say to him, which is, Lord, you know that I love you. Listen, if you're here this morning, or if you're listening, and you are hiding from God because you've sinned, and you feel a lot of shame, here's what Jesus is asking you. Do you love me? Do you love me? And He wants you to say, yes, I love you. He wants you to, he wants you to answer from your heart, yes, I love you. He wants you to refocus on your love for Him. And you know, when you refocus your love on Him, and, and you remember His love for you, here's what happens. Here's what happens. The shame dissipates. You know why the shame dissipates? Because Jesus took my shame. Jesus took my failure. Jesus took my sin. So he's going to pay for my death, but even now he's paying for my shame. So I don't need to hide. And he welcomes me back. He welcomes me into fellowship. He welcomes me to, to be restored with him. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then he, then he gives this litany of things. And I like to quote that verse. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's not, he's not going to, you know, death can't separate me from God. Uh, he'll never leave nor forsake us, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8. And what are the, what's the thing in the litany list there that he gives us? Death, angels, powers, principalities. Here's what I want you to know. Even our sin... You know, in this life, cannot separate us. God wants to restore you. He is longing for you to return to Him. Now listen, if you walk in your sin and you continue to hide yourself and harden your heart to the Lord, you, you will harden your heart and you will, you will not return to Him. If your heart is at all pliable this morning, return to the Lord. That's what He, he loves you. He wants you to reaffirm your love for Him. So here they are, four things. Number one, he takes the initiative. Number two, he knows your sin. You're not hiding it from him. Number three, he wants you to restore your love for him and, and walk in love with him and for him. And then the last thing that he wants of you is God wants you back involved in ministry. He wants you to be serving the kingdom. He doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines. He wants you to once again engage in the kingdom and live for the king. Now every time that Jesus would ask Peter, and he would say, do you love me? Peter would say, Lord, 
I love you. And every time, every time Peter would turn around and say, I mean, Jesus would turn around and say to Peter, Peter, then if you love me, feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, be involved in what I've asked you to be involved in, Peter. Be involved in ministry. Devote yourself to that which I've called you to be about. Now, now notice that it is, it is uh, Peter who, at the beginning of the story, prompts everyone to go back fishing. Remember that? Peter says, I'm going fishing. How many of you want to go? They all go fishing. Now, I don't know if Peter is saying, let's just go fishing for the day, or if Peter's entertaining the idea of, hey, let's go back to fishing, period. Remember, Jesus had pulled them out of fishing, and he said, I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I want you to fish for men. You're going to be fishers of men. Your, your job is going to care about my people. And your job is going to be about my ministry. And evidently, evidently Peter had lost sight of that. Maybe it's because of his failure. Maybe he thought, well, God can never use me in fishing for people anymore because I have sinned against him. Maybe he felt unworthy. I don't know. But whatever it is, Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, get back involved in that which I've called you to get back involved in. Get back in, get back in ministry. Have you ever sinned against the Lord and you feel like God just, I, I'm so unworthy to serve the Lord? How can I teach Sunday school after I've failed like I have? How can I lead small group after I've failed? How can I get up here and sing after I have failed the Lord like I did? Boy, I spoke to my wife that way. God, I, man, I, I, I lost my temper with my children. God, I, I, I cursed out my neighbor. I don't know what it might be that you feel like you have failed the Lord so bad that God can't use you. But here's, here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, I want you restored, and I want you to be involved in the kingdom's work. If you are here, a sinful failure this morning, confess your sin, renew your love, dust yourself off, and get back in the battle, and be a trophy of God's grace once more. Remember what I told you at the beginning about, about maybe God can use you in a greater way after your failure? than before your failure? That's what happened to Peter, isn't it? I mean, Peter failed the Lord, and then later on, God used him to preach to thousands of people. And God used him in such mighty ways after, after his failure. You can be a trophy of God's grace, both in the fact that God has saved you, but then you can be a trophy of God's grace in, in the fact that when we fail the Lord, he is still wanting to pour out grace on us and use us and forgive us and cleanse us and make us vessels that are usable in the future. Now, I don't mean to imply, listen carefully, because I know you're probably going to run with what I'm saying and you're going to try to read more into what I'm saying. I don't mean to imply that there are never repercussions for our sin. There are. I don't mean to be saying this morning that there's no discipline for our sin. There certainly is. And, and sometimes it may mean that I may not be able to do ministry the way I used to do it. Uh, maybe for a while, maybe never. But I am I'm trying to say to you that God is never going to put you on the shelf forever. You know, I'd been working on, on this talk for this morning for a while. And this past week, I ran into a friend that I'd never, I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And uh, he'd been involved in vocational ministry. And I was asking him if he's still involved in vocational ministry. And he said, no, he said, Jimmy, I'm, I'm, in a period of, uh, I'm in a period of recovery. I'm in a period of restoration, I think is the word that he used. He said, you know, I went through a divorce, and I felt like I needed to step down from ministry. And you know what? Vocational ministry. And you know what? I absolutely agree with the brother. 
I, I think he's making the right choice. I think he's doing what God would want him to do. I, I think he's, he's working on restoring himself and his relationship with God. But I went on to tell him, because this was on my heart, I went on to tell him, I said, listen, brother, I want to tell you something. God is not setting you on the shelf for the rest of your life. God is not trying to say to you this morning that because maybe your marriage failed, maybe it was your fault, maybe it wasn't your fault, but for whatever reason in this, in this failure of your marriage, God is not trying to say that He cannot use you. He can use my brother. He can use him in great ways. And maybe God's going to use him more in the future than he's used him in the past. So here's what I want to say to all of us this morning. When you fail the Lord, hey, God is taking initiative. God is seeking you. He knows your sin. He desires to restore you. And what he wants is for you to reclaim and to recover that love relationship with him. And, and when we do, God wants you involved in the advancement of His kingdom. God wants you involved in, in proclaiming Him as King and advocating Him to everyone around you. Yes, again, I, I know certain ministries may close depending on things that we've done, but you are still usable to God. You are, you are not somehow... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you are... You are not broken beyond usefulness to God. God restores. Listen, everyone. Listen. Oh, I want you to so get this. We are all broken people. Not justifying any of our sin, everyone, but we're all broken people. And I'm so grateful, aren't you, for the grace of God and for, for Jesus who, who not only saves us, but heals us and grows us and restores us. Here, here's, what, here's what Jesus is saying. You don't become somehow untouchable or unusable to God. God wants to restore you, and He will. It's the enemy who says that you're no good. It's the enemy who says that you're damaged good. It's the enemy who says that you can never represent God again. That is not so. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, then shepherd my sheep. Peter, Peter if you love me, get back involved in the ministry that I've called you to. And I want to say to all of us, listen. If we've stumbled, let's, let's go run back to the Father. Run, be the prodigal son. Run back to the Father. Let Him restore you. And then let Him begin to use you again in His kingdom work. So how about it? You need to be restored this morning because of failure in your life. If you do know this, God is taking the initiative. He knows your sin and He loves us. He loves us and wants us anyway. He wants you to examine your heart and reclaim that love relationship with Him. And then He wants you to get back on track ministry-wise. Do you need to be restored this morning? Here's what I'd like to ask you to do is to bow your head with me for just a moment. Whether you're here in a car or whether you're at home watching, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Just do some self-seeking, self-searching of your own soul and just ask yourself, God, have I let shame and my sin hide me from you? God, am I hiding? Am I running from you? Or would you just do a moment of self-examination? And if that's you today, would you make a decision to come home? Would you make a decision to return and be restored to the Lord Jesus this morning? Maybe your failure was a long time ago, and, uh, and you, for whatever reason, felt like God can't use me, and you kind of just sitting on the sidelines just letting, minister, just letting the kingdom go by and you're not involved. And maybe you come to worship and you say, God, I'm going to love you, I'm going to worship you, but I know you can't use me. Hey, listen, this is time for you to repent of that 
and for you to start saying, Lord, I want to get involved in fishing for men. I want to get involved in the kingdom ministry again. Would you do that? Every, every heart is bowed before God. It's you in this moment, quiet with God. God, if i got brothers and sisters that are listening this morning who the shame of their sin is so heavy that they've hidden themselves from you and they're hiding themselves from us, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would come out of hiding and they would run home to you knowing, Lord, that you've already known their sin and, and you have been, you've been running to the edge of the property like in the prodigal son story. You've been running to the edge of the property looking and longing for them to be restored. Lord, would you help them by your Spirit right now? Lord, would you, would you block the enemy who, as I'm sure, trying to discourage them and say, no, God can't love you, God can't use you. Lord, would you just, would you block that voice and would your voice come through law loud and clear? Would they just run back to you? God, would you restore any of your fallen sons and daughters this morning? Restore them to your love like you did David, like you did Peter like you've done so many of us, and like you'll continue to do throughout the days ahead. Lord, help them run back to you this morning. And Father, people who have sat down on the sidelines because they've dropped the ball and failed, because they've sinned against you, Lord, would you help them to pick up their responsibility in the kingdom, Lord, and, and, uh, and live for the kingdom, and live for the king. Help them to not only pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, but Lord, help them to live your kingdom to proclaim your kingdom, to love people, to love the poor, to carry the, the message of Jesus, Lord, to love people in Jesus' name. Would you help them get involved, again, ministering in your name, serving in your name? God, thank you for recording the stories of Peter in our Bible, the story of David in the Old Testament, the, the story of Paul and Barnabas, the story of the failures of all of our brothers and sisters in the past because it reminds us, Lord, that you care, that you don't give up, and that, Lord, you help us. I thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.